This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Conspiracy, where we break down some of the world's infamous conspiracy theories and try to separate fact from fiction. Welcome to Connect the Conspiracy, your source for all things conspiracies. Join us as we dive into conspiracies surrounding all topics, from financial to aliens and more. Join us this week as we dive into the Phoenix Lights. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Pondex, for sponsoring this episode. You can check them out today at pondex.com and use the promo code Larry21. If you're a a podcaster looking to grow your audience and get more engagement, you're going to want to check out pondex.com. And hey, be sure to use the promo code Larry21 and you can save 10% off your order. And now let's get into today's topic. At about 6.55 Pacific time, a man reported seeing a V-shaped object above Henderson, Nevada. He said it was about the size of a Boeing 747 and sounded like rushing wind and had six lights on its leading edge. The lights reportedly traversed northwest to the southwest. An unidentified former police officer from Paulden, Arizona, claimed to have been the next person to report a sighting after leaving his house at about 8.15 Mountain Standard Time. As he was driving north, he allegedly saw a cluster of reddish or orange lights in the sky, comprising four lights together and a fifth light trailing them. Each of the individual lights in the formation appeared to the witness to consist of two separate um, point sources of orange light. He returned home and watched the lights through binoculars until they disappeared south over the horizon. Lights were also reportedly seen in the areas of Prescott and Prescott Valley. At approximately 8.17 Mountain Time, callers began reporting the object was definitely solid because it blocked out much of the starry sky as it passed over. Devin Lorenz and his Aunt Jamie were standing outside on his porch in Prescott Valley when they noticed a cluster of lights to the west-northwest of their position. The lights formed a triangular pattern, but all of them appeared to be red, except the light at the nose of the object, which was distinctively white. The object, or objects, which had been observed for approximately two to three minutes with binoculars, then passed directly over them and were seen to bank to the right, and then disappeared in the night sky to the southeast of Prescott Valley. The altitude could not be determined, but the object was fairly low and made no sound whatsoever. The National UFO Reporting Center received a report from the Prescott area saying, quote, We observed five yellow-white lights in a V formation 
moving slowly from the northwest across the sky to the northeast, then turn almost due south and continue until out of sight. The point of the V was in the direction of movement. The first three lights were in a fairly tight V, while two of the lights were further back along the lines of the V's legs. During the northwest-northeast transit, one of the trailing lights moved up and joined a three, and then dropped back to the trailing position. I estimated the three lights, the three light V, to cover about 0.5 degrees of sky, and the whole group of five lights to cover about one degree of sky. And now we're going to take a look at the first sighting from Phoenix. Tim Lay and his wife Bobby, his son Hal, and his grandson Damien Turnridge first saw the lights when they were above Prescott Valley, 65 miles away from them. At first, the lights appeared to them as five separate and distinct lights in an arc shape, as if they were on top of a balloon. But they soon realized that the lights appeared to be moving towards them. Over the next 10 or so minutes, the lights appeared to come closer, the distance between the lights increased, and they took on the shape of an upside-down V. Eventually, when the lights appeared to be a couple miles away, the witnesses could make out a shape that looked like a 60-degree carpenter square, with the five lights set into it, with one at the front, two on each side. Soon, the object with the embedded lights appeared to be coming right down the street where they lived, about 100 to 150 feet above them traveling so slowly that it appeared to hover and was silent. The object then seemed to pass over their heads and went through a V opening in the peaks of the mountain range towards Squaw Peak Mountain and toward the direction of Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport. Witnesses in Glendale, a suburb northwest of Phoenix, saw the object pass overhead at an altitude high enough to become obscured by the thin clouds. This was at approximately 8.30 to 8.45 mountain time. When the triangular formation entered the Phoenix area, Bill Greiner, a cement driver hauling a load down a mountain north of Phoenix, described the second group of lights, saying, quote, I'll never be the same. Before this, if anybody had told me they saw a UFO, I would have said, yeah, and I believe in the tooth fairy. Now I've got a whole new view, and I may be just a dumb truck driver, but I've seen something that don't belong here. He also stated that the lights hovered over the area for more than two hours. A report came from a young man in the Kingman area who stopped his car at a payphone to report the incident. The young man, en route to Los Angeles, called from a phone booth to report having seen a large and bizarre cluster of stars moving slowly in the northern sky. On April 21st, 2008, lights were again reported over Phoenix by local res uh, residents. These lights appeared to change from square to triangular uh, formation over time. A Valley resident reported that shortly after the lights appeared, three jets were seen heading west in the direction of the lights. An official from the Luke Air Force Base denied any U.S. Air Force activity in the area. On April 22, 2008, a resident of Phoenix told a newspaper that the lights were nothing more than his neighbor releasing helium balloons with flares attached. This was confirmed by a police helicopter. The following day, a Phoenix resident, who declined to be identified in news reports, stated that he had attached flares to helium balloons and released them from his backyard. Now let's take a look at some photographic documentation. 
imagery of the Phoenix Lights falls into two categories. Image of the triangular formation seen prior to 10 o'clock Mountain Standard Time in Prescott and Dewey, and images of the 10 o'clock Mountain Standard Time Phoenix event. Almost all known images are of the second event. All known images were produced using a variety of commercially available camcorders and cameras. There are no known images taken by equipment designed for scientific analysis, nor are, they any, are there any known images taken using high-powered optics or night vision equipment. There are a few known images of the Prescott Dewey lights. Television sta station KSAZ reported that an individual named Richard Curtis recorded a detailed video that purportedly showed the outline of a spacecraft, but the video had been lost. During the Phoenix event, numerous still photographs and videotapes were made, distinctly showing a series of lights appearing at a regular interval, remaining illuminated for several moments and then going out. These images have been report repeatedly aired by documentary television channels, such as the Discovery Channel and the History Channel, as part of their UFO documentary programming. The most frequently seen sequence shows what appears to be an arc of lights appearing one by one, then going out one by one. UFO advocates claim that these images show that the lights were some form of running light or other aircraft illumination along the leading edge of a large craft, estimated to be as large as a mile. Other similar sequences reportedly taken over a period of 30 minutes show different numbers of lights in a V or arrowhead array. Thousands of witnesses throughout Arizona also reported a silent, mile-wide V or boomerang-shaped craft with varying numbers of huge orbs. A significant number of witnesses reported that the aircraft was silently gliding directly overhead. Our apologies, not aircraft, craft. was traveling silently, gliding directly overhead at low altitude. The first-hand witnesses consistently reported that the lights appeared as canisters of swimming light, while the underbelly of the craft was like, quote, looking through water. However, skeptics claim that the video is evidence that mountains not visible at night partially obstructed views from certain angles, thereby, thereby bolstering the claim that the lights were more distant than UFO advocates claim. UFO advocate Jim Deletso claimed that to have performed spectral analysis of photographs and imagery that proved the lights could not have been produced by a man-made source. He claimed to have used software called Image Pro Plus to determine the amount of red, green, and blue in the various photographic and video images and construct histograms of the data which were then compared to several photographs known to be of flares. Several sources have pointed out, however, that it is impossible to determine the spectral signature of a light source based solely on photographic or video imagery, as films and electronics inherently alter the spectral signature of a light source by shifting hue in the visible spectrum. And, and experts in spectroscopy have dismissed his claims as being scientifically invalid. Cognitech, an independent video laboratory, superimposed video imagery taken of the Phoenix light onto video imagery 
shot during daytime from the same location. In the composite image, the lights are seen to extinguish at the moment they reach the Australia mountain range, which is visible in the daytime, but invisible in the footage shot at night. A broadcast by local Fox Broadcasting Company affiliate KSAZ claimed to have performed a similar test that showed the lights were in front of the mountain range and suggested that the data might have been altered. Dr. Paul Sowen, visiting professor of astronomy at Arizona State University, performed a third analysis using daytime imagery overlaid with video shots of the lights, and his findings were consistent with Cognitech. The Phoenix New Times subsequently reported that the television station had simply overlaid two video tracks on a video editing machine without using a computer to match the zoom and scale of the two images. There is some controversy as how to best classify the reports on the night in question. Some of the, some are of the opinion that the differing nature of the eyewitness reports indicates that several unidentified objects were in the area, each of which was its own separate event. This is largely dismissed by skeptics as an over-extrapolation extra, from the kind of deviation common in necessarily subjective eyewitness accounts. The media and most skeptical investigators have largely preferred to split the sightings into two distinct classes, a first and second event for which two separate explanations are offered. The first event, the V, which appeared over northern Arizona and gradually traveled south over nearly the entire length of the state, eventually passing south of Tucson, was the apparently wedge-shaped object reported by then-Governor Symington and many others. The event started at 8.15 Mountain Time over the Prescott area and was seen south of Tucson by about 8.45. Proponents of two separate events propose that the first event still has no provable explanation, but that some evidence exists that the lights were in fact airplanes, according to an article by reporter Janet Gonzalez, that appeared in the Phoenix New Times, videotape of the V-shape shows the lights moving as separate entities, not as a single object. A phenomenon known as, oh my gosh, if I can say this right, illusory contours can cause the human eye to see unconnected lines or dots as forming a single shape. Mitch Stanley, an amateur astronomer, observed high-altitude lights flying in formation using a Dobsonian telescope, giving 43x magnification. After observing lights, he told his mother, who was present at the time, that the lights were aircraft. The second event was the set of nine lights appearing to hover over the city of Phoenix at around 10 p.m. The second event had been more thoroughly covered by the media due in part to the numerous video images taken on the lights. The U.S. Air Force explained the second event as slow-falling, long-burning illumination flares dropped by a flight of four A-10 Warthog aircraft on a training exercise the Barry M. Goldwater Air Force Range in western Pima County. According to this explanation, the flares would have been visible in Phoenix and appeared to hover due to rising heat from the burning flames, flares, excuse me, creating a balloon effect on their parachutes, which slowed the descent. The lights then appeared to wink out as they fell behind the Australia mountain range to the southwest of Phoenix. 
Maryland Air National Guard pilot Lieutenant Colonel Ed Jones responded to a March 2007 media query, confirmed that he had flown one of the aircraft in the formation that dropped flares on the night in question. The squadron to which he belonged was in fact at Davis Mothin Air Force Base, Arizona, on a training exercise at the time and flew training sorties to the Goldwater Range on the night in question. Now let's take a look at the public response from the governor, the media. There was minimal news coverage at the time of the incident in Phoenix. A small number of local outlets noted the event, but it really received a little attention beyond that. But on June 18th, 1997, USA Today ran a front page story that brought national attention to the case. This was eventually followed by coverage on the ABC and NBC television networks. And quickly, the case, I should say, quickly caught the popular imagination and has since become a staple of UFO-related documentary television. And of course, the governor had to step in. Shortly after the lights, Arizona Governor Fife Symington III held a press conference stating that they found who was responsible and proceeded to make light of the situation by bringing his aide on stage dressed in an alien costume. But in March 2007, the governor said that he had witnessed one of the crafts of unknown origin during the 97 event, although he did not go public with the information. In an interview with the Daily Courier in Prescott, Arizona, Symington said, quote, I'm a pilot, and I know just about every machine that flies. It was bigger than anything I've ever seen. It remains a great mystery. Other people saw it. Responsible people. I don't know why people would ridicule it. He previously said, quote, It was enormous and inexplicable. Who knows where it came from? A lot of people saw it, and I saw it too. It was dramatic, and it couldn't have been flares because it was too symmetrical. He had a geometric outline, a constant shape. So that is all we have for this episode. Let us know your thoughts on the Phoenix Lights. Do you think they were UFOs? Do you think it was just a military uh, training exercise? Let us know. And if you want to support the show, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash podcast. Your channel or your support helps the channel grow, upgrade our equipment, bring in new hosts, pay them, and eventually, hopefully, take this show on the road. We'd love to live stream from locations such as Area 51 uh, and other uh, sites of conspiracies like Dealey Plaza, Area 51. Your support can help make that happen. Whether you give a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars, any amount helps. And as always, we thank you for your donations and your support. And as always, thank you so much for watching and listening, and we will see you next time. You have been watching the Connect the Conspiracy Podcast with Larry Lees. Find us on Twitter at CTC Podcast One or on Facebook at Connect the Conspiracy. Support the show by buying us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash CTC Podcast. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time.